so much for joining today's podcast. You know, Colleen and I always love to give us a quick update of what's going on in our lives. So Colleen, what is new and exciting in your world? Uh, well, as crazy as it sounds, in a couple months, we're going to be celebrating Quinn's uh, second birthday and Reed's fourth birthday. And uh, this is actually really special for me because, um, which is something I'll probably talk a little bit about today, but uh, during... When, before Quinn was born, I actually missed Reed's second birthday because I was in the hospital. So we had a big celebration for his third birthday. And now we're going to do something together with him for their parties for their fourth birthday. So we've just been getting ready for that. What about you, Sam? I know. I can't believe that they're going to be too soon. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> I just feel like there's so much going on in my world all at once right now that it's like one party after another. I, right now we're celebrating my husband's 30th. Um, we're going to an escape room. Oh, that's um, so fun. Yeah, I've never done it before. It's not a scary one, so I'm allowed to go. Uh, <laughs> and I'm going to be the DD for the night, but it's going to be fun. It's, uh, he he wants to do CrossFit and, and then an escape room. So that is what we're doing for his, for his 30th. So we're just getting all that prepared. That should be fun. But yeah, so, so today's topic. Um, I'm really actually, I'm happy that we're bringing light to this topic because I know it's something that you and I have talked about off there a ton. Uh, we're going to be discussing suffering postpartum anxiety after a traumatic uh, birthing experience. And it's interesting enough, I was listening to another podcast and this one woman had, was talking about how 34% of women view their birthing experience as traumatic, which is a huge number of women. But I think it's something that we never discuss. Um, so in general, just having like a NICU baby is an emotional journey. And for most NICU parents, and, and honestly, it's something that we just don't really prepare for. Um, and as we discuss this topic, I just want everyone to keep in mind that we are not medical experts. So please consult your physician if there's anything medically related. You know, what we're going to discuss here is really just our own experiences. Um, so to get started, um, Colleen, I know that people might have read our blog articles and a little bit about our daughters, our birthing experience. But for anyone who might not know about your NICU journey with Quinn, can you give us a little background? Sure. It's actually um, kind of interesting because my journey doesn't really start with Quinn. I actually had issues in my first pregnancy that were very similar to the issues that I went through with Quinn. Um, but I was able to make it to almost 37 weeks after a 14-day hospital stay. Um, and I say all the time now, what I didn't realize then is that I think that some of what went on in that pregnancy, even though I wound up with a healthy baby in the end, um, kind of took a mental toll on me and uh, definitely kind of fueled uh, where I was um, when I had Quinn and, uh, what happened with Quinn is around 26 weeks, I, um, started to get elevated blood pressure, which is very similar to what I went through with my son. When they told me that they thought something was wrong, they sent me over to the hospital. The high risk doctor told me all kinds of bad news. I remember putting my mom on speakerphone and just saying, I need you to listen to the doctor because honest to God, I can't absorb anything that he's saying to me right now. He told me that the baby was measuring extremely far behind that she didn't have good blood flow he said i'd be surprised if he made it another week i did wind up making another 14 days which was awesome uh but all that stuff kind of takes a toll on you so then they put me in the hospital i'd never spent more than two days away from my son who was at the time um almost two and i didn't get to see him a lot because he was sick and i just couldn't risk getting sick i missed his second birthday while i was in the hospital uh, when Quinn was born, I remember them coming back into the room and telling me that she weighed 810 grams, which was one pound 
12 ounces. And I know you can relate to this, Sam, but for some reason I had the number two pounds in my head and I was like, if she's just two pounds, she'll be okay. She'll be okay if she's just two pounds. So when they came back and they told me that she wasn't two pounds, I don't know why, but that was just really hard for me to absorb. Um, And then I remember they wheeled me down because I asked them if they would take me to see the baby. And after they came back, I just couldn't, I couldn't stop shaking. I just couldn't stop shaking after my C-section. And um, I said to the lady, is this normal? She's like, yes, people shake sometimes. But I really don't know if it was just at that point. Like, I just couldn't absorb this information. So when they brought me down to see the baby, I remember looking at her and I just thinking to myself, I don't know how a baby this little can make it. And it was just like the reality of that situation, just setting into my mindset, like, how is my baby going to survive? It was just so hard to absorb. Um, and luckily she did and she fought through and I really didn't know a lot about the NICU journey. And, uh, luckily I did have Sam, um, to (laughs) talk to about a lot of those things that I was going through even emotionally, but, um, it's just for anybody, it's a hard thing to absorb the possibility that your baby might not make it. And I think that that just takes a toll on someone like to their inner core. Um, and I I think that's why so many NICU moms kind of struggle sometimes with anxiety because there's always that going back to that possibility that something could happen to them. Um, and I know you talked about this a little in the first episode with Maddie's breathing, like her breathing and what that was like. Um, and I felt like that almost every day. It was just that constant fear that like the next, the other shoe was going to drop and something bad was going to happen. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, it's an emotional roller that is for sure. And I know with being in a NICU unit <clears throat> and just being a mom in general, you know, there's postpartum anxiety and depression and there's even NICU PTSD, which I think people are not even aware about. And I know you and I have talked a lot about that off air because we've both gone through that portion of it. But I know these topics sometimes feel like taboo for us moms to talk about. Why do you think it's important that we discuss this, especially within the NICU community? And why do you think it's important? It's a, sometimes a topic people like to avoid. So this is actually really interesting because uh, we've been on Minute and Moose for about six months now, and this mm-hmm. is actually the first time that I've talked about this because it's not an easy thing to talk about, and it's hard to admit to people that you struggled or that you had an emotionally hard time. But for anybody to go through that type of journey, they're going to have an emotionally hard time because it's not, it's not a normal journey. Like when you go into the hospital and you're there for 14 days and you know that at any given point, like, they're going to tell you it's time to have your baby and you don't know what the outcome of that's going to be. That's a traumatic birthing experience because you don't know. Um, I mean, other people have different types of traumatic birthing experiences. Um, I know like with my son, when he came out, he had breathing issues. He spent a little time in the NICU. And it's funny because when I think back to that first time that I had my baby, um, I remember thinking that that was just so scary. And then I had Quinn and it was just a whole different kind of scary but it's just so important for people to talk about, especially in regard to NICU moms, because I don't think people understand that kind of talking about those fears and anxieties is a good thing. Um, and bottling them up sometimes is not the best thing, because I feel like you kind of get two outcomes. One is that you're so anxious all the time. And the other one is kind of that you close everything off and you just don't really remember what went on because you just couldn't absorb anything else. Now. I know, like, as a NICU mom, we all experience, like, a ton of different emotions. Like, at what point in this journey, because, you know, you, you do have, like, a first birth experience, which obviously did not go as planned either, but a little bit different than Quinn's. So you had something to judge it by, but at what point did you realize that the feelings that you were having, and I don't know how in depth you want to go with 
the feelings that you were having, but at what point did you realize they were just not normal, you know, to, for, you know, a normal, like feeling, if you will, of anxiety after giving birth? Uh, so it's with Quinn, her, I know you talked about Maddie and her biggest issue was breathing and Quinn did have those issues more towards the end of her, uh, NICU stay when she started eating. Um, but her biggest issue in the beginning was digesting food and I don't know why but it took her longer than uh, the majority of NICU babies and I didn't do a lot of research because we've also again off air talked about this a lot about how sometimes you shouldn't research things that aren't wrong with your baby because then you learn too much Um, but with Quinn she by day 10 she still was not digesting her food and at that point I just remember saying to the doctor like well what what happens if she doesn't digest food? And it's funny when I look back and I realize like what a warped question that was because like, like, what do you mean? Like what happens? Like babies need to digest food to live. Like she needs to figure it out. And I think at that point, like when it had been 10 days in, he told me usually by a week that babies start doing this is when I was like, Oh my God, like, is my baby never going to digest food? Does she have neck? Like what, what is going on here? And luckily at that point she did, but it just kind of put me into this tizzy of, like, you feel like you want to control everything and yeah. everything is so out of control and you don't control any aspect of your baby's health. You don't control whether they eat. You don't control when they sleep. You don't control if they can breathe. And it's just with my first pregnancy, you have this this warped sense of that you do control those things and that you, you can. And when you have a baby that you can't control anything for, I think that feeling of being so out of control and having control over nothing just like made me feel so anxious that I just couldn't control these feelings in me. And I was just worried all the time. I also remember like when Quinn was in the NICU, I used to call there at night and Mm -hmm. I found that to be a trigger and I actually stopped doing it because for some reason, when I would talk to them, if they gave me any bad news, like they said, Oh no, she just gave back black bile, which is for anyone who's not a NICU mom, they pull back the contents of their stomach to kind of see what color, um, the digestion is. And, uh, when they told me like it wasn't good again I would just have like the worst nightmares and even in my sleep like I just didn't get comfort and I remember my husband would like wake me up and he'd be like Colleen what are you doing and he would find me fumbling around the sheets and looking for the baby in the bed because I'd be dreaming that I lost the baby in the bed and it was kind of at that point that I was like okay like this isn't normal anymore I'm looking for my baby that's not even with me in the bed yeah so at that point I kind of realized that I needed to talk to someone about this and I needed to get it under control now, did you guys have cameras on your Nikki beds? We did not. See, I don't, uh, I don't know how you survived that because I, for me, like, I never started, I didn't really call the NICU during the night because I had the camera on 24-7. So they would leave me notes, like sticky notes, like in the, um, the view of the camera on her isolate just to give me updates every time they did a feeding. And like that's that, honestly, I don't know what I would have done if I didn't have the cameras. That was like a lifesaver. Yeah, um, I mean, maybe we just because we never did, I never really thought of that. But maybe yeah. it would have helped. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely it just gave me like a peace of mind. Like when, like you said, you don't sleep, and you got another like baby at home. Like yeah, I couldn't even imagine that on top of it. Um, so like, I, I can only imagine like what you went through, and you know, knowing that you at some point realized, okay, this is not normal. What did you do from there? Did you seek help, or did the hospital provide you any help, or did uh, you go see someone? Well, you know what? After Quinn was born, I do remember like I could not stop crying. I was okay for like the first few days, and then I just could not stop crying. 
But I knew, like, from my first pregnancy, I kind of went through that, too, and then it subsided. And then I remember when my son Reed was born, like, I went back to work when he was five months old, and I was like, this is okay. Like, I'm okay. Um, so I knew what it was like to feel normal after a pregnancy, or somewhat normal, again. Like, I had, like, those normal, like, mom fears and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was actually interesting. One night, we were on our way back from the NICU, and my husband and I stopped for dinner at a place that we often uh, went to dinner, and one of my friend's younger sisters worked there, and she asked us how the baby was, and I just probably wasn't, even though I always thought I was giving off this facade that I was okay, I, I apparently was not, um, because she did mention to me that down at the same hospital that my baby was in, that they had a unit down there, postpartum, it was called the Perinatal Mood and Anxiety Disorder Clinic, um, and that she went there after her baby was born, um, and that they really helped her, and I was like, you know what, can you give me that number? Which is a very weird thing to ask a stranger. But at that point, like, I was like, wow, this is, like, right in the same hospital that my baby's in. Um, And I remember the first time that I went down there and I just kind of talked to somebody and I told them how I was feeling because I was so sick of telling people that I was good and everything was fine and the baby was good. Um, And it was just nice to talk to somebody and be like, you know what? I'm not fine. I'm scared that my baby's going to die and I don't know how to relax. Um, And that's, like, a really hard thing to admit to someone. It was a really hard thing to say out loud because I pretended like to everybody that that was not a fear of mine. That yeah. it was just like the baby's doing well, she's doing this, she's doing that. Um, but deep inside, like you see so much in the NICU and you see other babies that the outcome is not always good, uh, and you realize that that's like a real possibility. And it was just so scary for me. And um, I realized at that point that it was helpful to talk to someone, um, and that it instead of like numbing those feelings and pretending that everything was okay, I needed to let people know that I didn't think everything was always okay. I only wish I, I don't, I mean, I don't know if my hospital has something that I just don't I'm not aware of it, but I wish that that topic was brought up more, you know, as you enter the NICU, I know it's their duty to really solely focus on your, on your um, baby, but I almost wish that there was like this introductory or like class or, journey for the parent that runs simultaneously with the baby so that the information like this is given out more uniformly that's done so that moms you know if they're having these issues they talk about it more because other than that like like I don't know correct me if I'm wrong I don't I mean I didn't have some of this stuff I mean I know I had my own traumatic experiences and PTSD from leaving the NICU unit without even realizing it but I feel like it's like not talked about enough like would you agree like not it's like not brought up enough I mean it's actually interesting like when you think about what I just said the Mm -hmm. fact that I learned about this place that was literally right in my hospital like I mean right in my hospital I learned about it from someone that was a waitress or waitressing like yeah like a restaurant that we went to like and I mean mind you I put up the facade that I was okay a lot I told people that I was okay a lot um when I really just I was having a hard time and I was struggling but it's just so hard to tell people sometimes that like you don't feel strong or that you're having a hard time or that like this is really taking an emotional toll on you like it's not easy to tell people that so like when you can go and tell uh, like somebody who you know that it's like a judgment free zone and you're going to go there and they're going to understand because they talk to people about this all the time and when I went there I said these exact things to her I said to the woman I was like you know what I was like I don't even know how else to say it but I'm just so scared I'm so scared of everything I'm so scared that like everything's out of control and it's just so interesting that there's just not resources out there for the NICU mom and that I think a lot of times like and it's not the nurse's job to diagnose you or figure out what's going on with you but I think a lot of times we put up the facade that everything's okay when it's not 
So I think sometimes it's even hard for people to read that. So even if they just included these materials, like when you enter the NICU, like, hey, if you feel like you're having an emotional struggle or a hard time, just realize this is a really common thing for NICU moms to go through. You know, it's interesting you bring up the NICU, the nurses, because obviously we have nurses that we connect with and that, uh, you know, request to stay on our cases and that we've built these reports with and our Facebook friends with. Um, like, do you think that, did you have someone special like a nurse that you felt like you could talk to about some of this stuff and that helped you through your journey a little bit more that maybe helped aid that, that anxiety a little bit? Uh, I mean, they definitely helped aid the anxiety. And I have to say, my anxiety was always okay when I was in the NICU for the most part. It was more when I was away from the NICU. Yeah. And I felt like I wasn't in control anymore um, is when I struggled. Like I said, those times at night or I had a hard time sleeping. That's when I struggled the most. Most because, like, when they were there, they were reassuring. They'd be like, you know what, Colleen? Like, she didn't digest food today, but... I feel like she's going to do it tomorrow or they'd be like, she had a couple of Brady's today, but you know what? She's been doing really good. This is just a bump in the road. Sometimes this stuff happens. I remember like she had um, something called ASD, which is an opening at the top part of the heart. And they were mm-hmm. like, realize, yes, this is scary for us to say to you that your baby has a heart defect, but this is so common in preemies. And whenever they'd say that for some reason, it made me feel better. Like, 100%. So, I'm like, okay. Like I realized this is not normal for just any baby but if it's normal for preemies that saying for some reason always made me feel better i'm like okay this happens to other babies that are in the NICU i get it it's almost like the confidence in their voice definitely pushes you at ease because you don't you've never done this before like how would you know you know to your point we never google things like (laughs) that only led you down a rabbit hole of really like self-destruction so having them be so reassuring and then having that voice of confidence definitely 100% helps um so you know having I I can totally get that like having there and and having that support now on the flip side did you ever talk to anyone in your family or like how was the support from your family during that time so um my family I have to say I can't even say enough good things about my family ever um because (laughs) when I was in the hospital for 14 days my husband still went to work And my parents made sure that my two-year-old was taken care of for that whole time. And it didn't end there. And you know this, like, then there's a two-month NICU stay. And, like, no matter what I needed, they'd say, like, Colleen, we've got it. Like, you need Reed picked up? We'll figure it out. You need Reed to stay at our house? We'll figure it out. Yeah. No matter what it was, they figured it out. And, like, when I was having a hard time sleeping and just, like, like, functioning in real life society like I could not function out of my little bubble that was NICU and if ever like I had to go outside of like my pattern of things like I'd wake up I'd drop my son off at the babysitter I'd go down to the NICU I'd leave the NICU at three o'clock I'd pick him like I I had a certain pattern that I always followed and I did not like to deviate from that because it caused anxiety to deviate from that so they were like really helpful in that way and I remember my mom saying to me like Colleen like it's okay like if you feel like you're having a hard time to talk to someone like that's only going to help you. And she, I mean, like, so there was no judgment there, which yeah. makes you feel good too. Like, and who sees you at your worst? Your parents see you at your worst. So your husband sees you at your worst. Like yeah. they, they're the ones who really know what you're going through where the rest of the world, you can pretend that everything is okay. Can you give the listeners um, a little bit of background about your family? Cause you have like an amazing support system. And I think it's so great. How close <laughs> you are. So it's actually interesting, like I'm one of five and I have three sisters and my brother who, my brother's my brother. So, you know, he was there to help sometimes, but usually because his girlfriend was helping. Um, But like my sisters were always in the NICU with me and you said this about Mm -hmm. your sister too. Like they would come down and they would celebrate all Quinn's little milestones or like even my mom was so 
like understanding about everything. She'd be like, no, I don't want to hold the baby because I'm afraid that I could give her a germ or like, she was just so understanding about like everything. She, she wasn't pushy or she wasn't like, I need to come down and and see the baby or anything like that. They were just like, you tell us what you need and that's what we're going to do. Because right now this is about you and what you're going through. And we're going to support you in the ways that you need to be supported. And that's like, like that is a whole other topic. I think we're going to have to cover it another time because, you know, I, I feel like I have the same thing with my family. I mean, I don't have five siblings. I wish I did. <laughs> I wish, I hope for maybe Did I say five? Will. I have four siblings. Or four siblings. <laughs> okay. Four. I meant four. Um, but no, for, I, you know, I felt like that was, I had the same scenario. I was like, what can you just tell me what you need and we will be respectful of that. Um, but unfortunately, you don't always get that. So I think that. And that's be... such an important thing. And I think people take that for granted sometimes when they have it. <laughs> but when you see other people who don't have that support, you realize just how important that is yeah. for you when you're going through something like this. Yeah. It's it's one of those things where you just like every it's during that time and even way well after people just have to put themselves in your shoes for five seconds. Because and again, this could be a whole other topic, you know. <laughs> even after you bring your baby home, like the way you're going to parent and how you want to do things is going to be so different, probably a lot different than if you had a normal birthing experience. Um, maybe not, maybe it would be the same exact way. Like I know with Madison, like I just want to be there for every little thing. And I, you know, I have certain ways I want to do things and maybe I wouldn't want to have done them that way prior, but like I'm very protective over those experiences because we, we've missed out on, it was 64 plus days of her life. And not everyone gets that. So that will Definitely. be another topic. <laughs> and I think on that note, just talking about family and the support, like I just remember I could only be around things that were positive because mm-hmm. you in your own mind space, um, sometimes no matter what you do to try to make yourself be positive or, or like sometimes I'd be having the best day and then I'd get in the car to go home and I would cry the entire way home. Yeah. Like I could only surround myself with people that were positive and that they were going to make positive comments and make me feel like everything was okay. Kind of like we were talking about with the nurses because like everybody around me had to be like supportive in that way. Yeah. I just like could feed off their positive energy because I had enough negative like stuff going on. I, I support that 110%. I felt the same way. I mean, <clears throat> my favorite place to cry and have nacho breakdowns was in the shower because it was already really hot and it felt <laughs> like no one could under no one would know if I was crying. Yeah. But it's a, it's a crazy like how well your mom, especially your moms, know their daughters. Definitely. Like, it's insane. Like my mom would hear it in my voice and literally like call off of work, drive the hour and 20 minutes to come see me and, and just show up at my door. I'm like, here's your food. Here's this. Please go get your nails done. Here's a little gift card. Let's uh-huh. go to the NIC unit. What do you need? Let's pick up lunch. And it was just like that you know, a couple of hours that you really, really needed and that person that you really needed who gets you like the most. Um, so it's just interesting. And now that we have daughters, I mean, hopefully we are, they're superheroes like that. When yeah. Right. Was there over? <laughs> um, so I do want to talk about, um, you know, that post-traumatic stress that you have and feelings after you leave the NICU, because I feel like those are important to talk about. But before I do that, do you have, what advice do you have for any moms who might be going through that like extreme anxiety or having those extreme emotions that might not be so normal? Like what advice would you give to them? Um, I mean, everybody's different. So it's kind of hard. I know for me, like I said, it helped to go and talk to somebody who was a complete stranger, which sounds so weird because number one, I've never talked to anybody in my life. 
um, about like a therapist or anything like that. Um, but it just felt like so relieving to just be able to get off my chest how I was actually feeling. And I felt like I couldn't say that to anybody that I was close to. So I know for me personally, um, that was helpful. Um, or I think sometimes just to channel your energy into something that is positive, uh, or find something that is positive, that you can maybe take your mind off of what's going on in that aspect of your life or to, I know that I was never able to do this, but sometimes the nurses would say to me, like, maybe just take a break from the NICU for one day and kind of just like yeah. regroup, which I was never able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for some people that would probably be helpful because the NICU in itself is just a stressful place to be. Um, but uh, like for me, it was less stressful to be with my baby because when I could see her, I knew everything right. was okay. So that really agree. depends on the person. Yeah. Now, I think that this is a good place to stop. I do think that we should have like a part two of this because the one thing I think that might be really important to cover from like a both perspectives from you and I is that idea of that post-traumatic stress and that trauma that mom goes through as she leaves the NICU because you're not anyone who's brought a baby home NICU and it, it's like you're so happy you're so terrified and then there's this could be this small portion of you who almost like longs for the NICU back like mm-hmm. and misses the NICU and I think that is a whole other podcast topic in itself so I'm gonna say that we table that for part two of this um so again this was episode two we talked about postpartum anxiety and ptsd slightly um we just want to thank you guys for joining us this week to discuss this please make sure to subscribe to our podcast write us a review check us out on instagram at from many to moose um we're going to be talking about potential you know future topics and we absolutely love your feedback if you have any questions about anything that we covered here or you want to talk to us or send us any notes you know, please feel free to email us at it's a mini to moose at gmail.com. We'd love to connect with you. And again, part two, I think we're going to talk about that postpartum traumatic stress that you feel after leaving the NIC unit and some of those more raw emotions. So thank you again, everyone for joining us and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. That was good. I think that was good. I, because I mean, with I the intro, know. it's going to be like about 30 minutes. Yeah. I mean, it I think like that 26. So I think so, that probably um, they'll all be around that. So I'm going to say, uh, oh, shit, hold on. I'm going to end this recording and then I'm going to call you. Okay. Okay.